mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, the podcast where we talk about the culture we love that society sometimes makes us feel ashamed of. My name is Caroline and I question the serving suggestions on crisps. Joining me is a woman who advocates dip as being an entire meal. Laura Goodman. Hello. You changed my life with this book, I think. You wrote a book called Snack, Joy of Snacks. I did. Which took me a long time to realise was a pun. Yeah, I know. It is quite a subtle pun. It is. You have to say it out loud to get it. I know. I think Nigella posted something about it. And I think she thought she had discovered the pun herself. <laughs> like, oh, that means it wasn't a good pun. But never mind. Anyway, that's what it's called. The thing is, is that like, I, I, I do think that like, we are at a strange place in culture in terms of how we eat. Yes. In that... um. The, the I don't really know anyone who has three square meals a day, I don't think. No. I mean, I think that's the thing for me about both snacks and carbs, which is what my first book was about, mm. is that, like, when you asked me to be on this podcast, I was thinking, oh, I don't really think that much about whether society um, wants us to be ashamed of eating those things, which is obviously rubbish. I obviously mm. do think about those things, but I'm obviously so in denial about it that I just yeah. prefer to write as though we've all agreed food is food. When I know that is not true, I know we haven't totally agreed that yet. I know that there are still <laughs> things that we're ashamed of. Um, and But what it's always been about for me is just like admitting how we actually eat. Rather yes. than, you know, like spending our lives pretending we're going to start eating differently, like admitting this is the way we eat and doing it as best we can. Yeah. You know, this no, is totally. Yeah. Like we, we do sort of live our lives as if we're going to begin eating differently tomorrow. Yes, we do. Which is something that you cover quite early in the book of being like, I, like, I'd stop pretending that any of us are actually going to like keep a stack of boiled eggs in our fridge or yeah. like, are actually going to batch cook couscous this will not be the year where you do that no (laughs) and if it was then would you really be that happy about it i mean that seems so depressing that's it even if you do have a successful couple of weeks where you manage to batch cook a thing like curry or whatever on sunday night and then you portion it into your things and then you eat it during the week yeah by by wednesday you want to kill yourself yes you do you do and even like you feel good if you spend your whole sunday cooking but you've also lost half your weekend yeah. cooking, not doing anything else. So. In ter- so in terms of like how we actually eat, I think, um, but I, I think I don't, you, you have a family, you have um, small oh. children and I don't. So I imagine maybe our, our patterns are a little bit different Yeah. Um, in that like my actual eating routine is probably, uh, you know, go around the corner for a coffee and a piece of banana bread in the morning, mm-hmm. then probably have a couple of pieces of toast at like noon 
and then forget to eat lunch and yeah. then have a very weirdly timed bowl of ramen at 4.15, meaning yeah. I am then <laughs> too sort of full for dinner. <laughs> but yeah. also I will eat again and then I'll make like a yogurt based dip at eight o'clock, which I will eat in front of the Gilmore Girls. Yes. <laughs> with That's some it. crisps. And that is so bad for you, but it's also the way Real I eat. Life. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't even, I find it hard to answer this question because I don't even know how I eat right now. I'm in such a strange place. And I was thinking, you know, there's a bit in the beginning of the book where I talk about the sort of joyful moment when you decide you're going to eat a family-sized bag of crisps. Yeah. And is that a joyful moment or is it a horrible moment? It's up to you to to decide, really. And it can go both ways. Like, there are moments where I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to eat this. And I feel really good about it. And then there are moments where it's like, I'm still holding my baby. It's 2pm. I haven't got dressed. I haven't eaten anything else. I'm eating a whole bag of crisps. Not so good. So, you know, I get it. It goes both ways. But I think as much as possible, like, let's just be honest about how we're eating and let's do it as best we can. Yeah. Let's have as much fun as we can. So, Which is why it was so gorgeous reading this book, because it was like... There was nothing of the... Because I think if you read any of those sort of like classic diet plans or whatever that are all over the internet and all over the insides of our brains because yeah. we glanced them in a Cosmo in 2002 and now it just sits there. Yeah. Which is why I think so many people have this sort of idea of like the handful of almonds. Yeah. Where these, like all, even the strictest diets will allow for the fact that snacking exists. Yeah. Be like, As a snack, try something, freeze-dried broccoli or something, you know, something insane. Um, yeah. But they will, even they will admit, people who are trying to get you to eat like a thousand calories a day will admit that you must chew on something, which, should, which sort of tells me that snacking is so innate to human behaviour that even people who are trying to limit their calories severely yeah. will attest to it, you know? I'm sure, and, you know, to be honest, I don't know this, I can't remember... And I probably should know, but I'm sure it's not actually good for you to only eat three times a day, is it? I don't think that's good for you. It doesn't feel, it doesn't I think feel you need natural. To eat more often than that. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, the handful of almond things. I remember that, and I remember that from you know working in offices and stuff, and just like, mm. God, you're already. It's already this horrible lifestyle where you see no one do nothing and you sit at your desk for nine hours <laughs> and the grimmest view of office culture <laughs> see no one do nothing and sit at your desk for nine hours yes yeah, sending emails was... to people who don't want them <laughs> yeah <laughs> who crucially don't want them they don't want them at all <laughs> <laughs> no one wants them no one wants them <laughs> oh god and then on top of that all you're allowed to eat is five almonds. Oh, Do you know what I remember? It's, it's so, like it's really and it, actually I hadn't thought of it until I was reading this book, and that's I think what I loved about it was that like because you, you have these like recipes and little um, diatribes about various different kinds of snack foods, which are so funny and well written, and then you'll just have like little chapters of like periods of your life and what snacks you were eating and mm-hmm. places you were in the world and stuff, and it really brought me back to several different places in my life, and one of those places was um, sort of 2013 where I was, you know, working in offices properly yeah. for the first time. And um, 
graze boxes. Oh yeah. I think people forget that we see we see, you see oh, you gosh. see a graze segment in like um WH Smith or something it's like oh here's like a, a chili nut thing that you can just sort of like fist into your mouth <laughs> yeah. and then slam into a bin and run onto a train. <laughs> yeah. But we forget that the whole that that Grey's boxes started much like Netflix started, which was like discs in the post. Yes, it did. It would show up at your office for like five pounds a week and it would give you these little sad segmented things. Oh God, things. so sad. Lemon flapjack with yogurt drizzle. And you were supposed to make these snacks last the whole week. But the thing is, not only were they sad, but they sort of sold themselves on not being sad. Like they really thought they were... <laughs> yeah. They thought they were fun. They were like, this they thought is gonna... they were fun, and I thought they were fun for a minute. Yeah, got like a vouch. Someone handed me a voucher on the uh, coming out of the tube, like twenty five percent off, buy one get one free, whatever. I was like, this seems wow. fun. So it's like walnuts, but it's got like cinnamon on it. Okay, <laughs> wasabi peas in a little plastic container. I I cannot believe they're on. The greys are on the ride of their life. <laughs> they are. I can't believe that was successful enough that like enough big sort of shop branches like WH Smith or whatever have bought into that and now people are buying it. Yeah, God, I hadn't thought about them for ages, but you're right, they are still around, aren't they? Yeah. I will say, however, their um their bag of like Marmite crunch is actually fucking delicious. Is but it? Then again, Marmite have not put a foot wrong ever. No? Every single thing that Marmite mixes itself with, whether it's the hummus or the peanut butter or whatever, mm. it's fucking insane. It's so good. It's already the best version yeah. of what that thing can be. I don't think I've had the peanut butter, but you're, I have had everything else, I think, and it was all good. Yeah. Yeah. Props to Marmite, sponsors of the podcast. Well done, Marmite. <laughs> well done, Marmite. <laughs> um, you, you begin the book with this, like, definition on crispiness. Yeah. Tell me about that. It starts from um, an article that I read in Bon Appetit about how crispy is a whole industry in America, but also in the world, and how there are just like tons of scientists dedicated to making crispy crispier and like finding new routes to crispy because crispy is essentially like a joy in your mouth like mm. the feeling and the sound of like a crisp shattering in your mouth brings you joy and that's not in your imagination that is real why <laughs> um it's so but it's it's true it because like true. that is the sort of the word that you see on a menu that sort of yes sticks out it is like when i think of um the first when i was like very young and like eating in very bad chinese restaurants for the first time like not real Chinese restaurant, like proper gluten yeah. takeaway or whatever, and seeing the phrase crispy duck for the first time and just like knowing even my 12-year-old heart, like, yeah, something about those yes. two words together are yes. And then having the crispy duck and it being sort of the consistency of scabs, but still being like, mmm, yeah. <laughs> in my head. Yeah. There's something about that that just like has an effect on people. Yeah, I mean, I can remember it from, like, the youngest age with roast yeah. potatoes. Just, yeah. like, the crispy bits in the bottom of the tray. You know, if my mum hasn't sprinkled those on my dinner, does she like my brothers better than me or something? Like, where are they? You know? <laughs> I had that exact same thing. I remember judging my mum's love for me via my plate a lot. And, like, casting these, like, little Victorian asides in my head of being like, she cares for my brother more than I. <laughs> I mean, I did always get the crispy bits, I have to say. Okay. So. Well, fair enough. And here we are, right? <laughs> <laughs> and look, 
here we are. <laughs> it goes even further than that because it's also like they these people who develop crisp products will try and make it a sort of sensory experience for you. So mm. everything from like the opening of the packet, the sound that makes, the sort of flavour hitting you when you open the bag, you know, it is supposed to sort of knock you sideways a little bit. And it does sometimes. <laughs> if you're starving, it really does. It's so, like, I realised recently that, actually probably in and around reading of your book, like, I've I've been an on and off smoker since I was about 14 kind of mm-hmm. thing. And, I, and I'm sort of lucky that I've never been very addicted to it in that, like, I'll, I'll, I'll always, like, have a pack of fags in my house. And it could that pack of fags could last two months or could last two weeks, depending on the kind of time I'm having. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I have never gone a day since my teens without having a bag of crisps. Yeah. I just don't think it's happened. No, I don't think so either. And I am also... I really notice the moment in the afternoon where I'll be like, oh, I haven't had my crisps I yet haven't today. had my crisps. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, well, that's turned the afternoon around. <laughs> so true. Unless you, and then, you know, on the other hand, if you fancy a bag of crisps and you're like, oh, but I did already have one. Then you're like, oh, that's taken the edge off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It does a bit. And uh, yeah, there's something, there's something different about having two different occasions in your day where you go to a shop and pick up a little thing of crisps. Yeah, that feels like you've let yourself down. Yeah, but making a choice to be like, I'm gonna watch my Gilmore Girls. Yes, with exactly. my big thing of family sized Doritos. That's it, making a choice, isn't it? It's, it's like different. when it's like, oh, I ha- accidentally haven't eaten enough other food. Yeah, to be not hungry. Mm. That's not so good. I failed myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's like, over the last few years, and um, I don't read a huge amount of food writing. Um, obviously, I read Ella Risbridger, who is my best pal, and everything she writes is brilliant. Yeah. And actually, um, I was just saying before the podcast started that you and her have this very similar thing that I love, which is that both of you write food books that don't have photographs in them. Mm. And I think there's something a bit revolutionary about that because you're creating this ima- this imaginative world with your own reader being like imagine what it would be like to have a big cheesy onion dip that yeah. you made for your friends and just think of that ooze and that way you're not putting this big fo- this beautiful food stylized photograph saying like this is what I made for my friends go fuck yourself you can't yes. make this <laughs> you yeah. know um, but I, yeah, I don't read a ton of food writing um, but I have noticed that there's been this thing over the last few years of like um, because I think more women are choosing sort of not to be partnered, to live alone. There's more women living alone than ever. Yeah. That uh, you should like have these solo beautiful meals yeah. every night that are just fantastic, lovely egg, <laughs> lovely broccoli, lovely yeah. yams, yeah. and it's all photographed beautifully. Well, I... Well, first of all, I should say my first book did have a lot of photos and they were really yeah. heavily styled. And that was sort of a conscious choice as well. But actually, it was a conscious choice to be like, look how heavily styled these are. This is basically a joke. Mm-hmm. Yours isn't meant to look like this. Oh, really? You know, like, you know, they were in urns and things. And like, you know, it was ridiculous. <laughs> like crematorium urns. Uh, I mean, yeah. 
That's bizarre. And I need like, to pick up your first book. That's so funny. Like there was just, you know, it was wild. And that was sort of the point. And then this book went the other way. Because, yes, I agree. And like, you know, the worst thing for me is like a little ruffled piece of linen. Just like, oh, I just finished my meal and I scattered my napkin just here. Oh, and yeah. Like, it, yeah, it doesn't do it for me. In fact... I was really excited to be asked to be on this podcast for a lot of reasons, but one of them is because I sometimes feel like I am the sentimental garbage of food writers. Yeah, I think you might <laughs> because be. Yeah, I feel like I get a lot of messages from people saying they love my book, but they say it in a way that's like, unbelievably, I loved your silly book. <laughs> Or they'll be like, that's so f- unbelievably, I loved your silly book. Or they'll be like, God, this book was funny, which is weird. Like, why was it funny? I don't really get it. What? But I liked it. But I'll never say out loud to anyone else that I liked it because it was weird. Oh, and- no way. I've seen loads of people yeah. shouting out about this on their Instagram stories, which I think is actually how I came across Good. it, was somebody photographed a funny paragraph and I was like, that's, that's a funny nice. paragraph. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I, you definitely are which is why I felt such a kinship when I read it and that it was, it was like an immediate, like, this has to be on the podcast thing of like, it's a very garbagey way yeah. of eating. Yeah. And I just love your like nasty little side sometimes. <laughs> like my favourite line in the whole book is you're talking about <laughs> cookies. And uh, oh yeah, I, I don't know what you the, mean. The sentence is something like, is it just me or is everyone bad at their jobs? <laughs> Yeah. Talking specifically to how many disappointing cookies that you've had in your life. Yeah. I just... People are bad at their jobs though, aren't they? People are bad at their jobs. And I I get it. Life is hard and I can't always be bothered to do everything. But, you know, you've got to do your job as best you can. You've got to. And... Yeah, there are a lot of bad cookies out there and it is still unbelievable to me all the many different ways in which they can be bad. I mean, I guess mostly it's just they're too hard usually. But it's not, you know, if I can make... I know I'm, I've am i written about food, but I'm not like a chef. If mm. I can make a good cookie, why can't you? Mm. You're charging me for a cookie. Why you can't you make a good one? up to three pounds for a cookie. Yes. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then now I've got kids and you know I'll be out with my daughter and she'll want a cookie and I'll be like well no you don't that's gonna be bad (laughs) um that's (laughs) it's gonna be bad there's definitely like a thread on this podcast about um shit cookies Mm. um on the sex and the city series that we did yeah I really railed against Ben's Ben's. cookies Mm which I hate, and I also hate Millie's cookies. Yeah. I think they both suck. Um, I think the I think if you are walking down, you know, Oxford Street. Yeah, the, the smell. The smell is nice. Um, same with Waffelmeister. You'll yeah, get that yeah, smell yeah, outside yeah. Bond Street and you'll think you want that, but you actually don't. You do not. The best cookie that you're going to be able to find on a high street is in a subway, I think. Really? Yeah. I don't think they're great. By any chance, by but any But they're all stretch. just bad. Yeah. They're all just a bit bad. They're all, and I think they're just a bit too um, fleshy. You oh, know? God, that made, that made me gag. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring that to you at 10.45. Um, um, but they're wet. They're soggy. They are. I mean, I just feel like people get by on not cooking the cookie. Yeah. You know, like, you can make it 
chewy inside without serving me raw cookie dough. Awful. That's cheating. It's a human rights violation. It is. I believe. Uh, and I, I really felt it <laughs> in that essay. And I also think that... And this is a this is this this thought is literally forming as I'm thinking it. But I think there's the the rise in um sort of millennial work patterns, which mm-hmm. I think is responsible for a lot of this sort of snacking culture that's taking over. That we're all more people are making their mo- their own hours, um even yeah. if they're like employed gainfully, they they they're working from home, yeah, yeah, yeah. time whatever. More people are working in cafes as well. Yes, and what we have then is a a snack buy that is actually you buying more hours at the cafe. Yeah, that's true. And there's and we all know that. And so I think standards are slipping. Oh god, I didn't <laughs> think about it like that, but that's true. I always talk about this um in Walthamstow because there are so many parents like me and we're all so tired and so desperate for like mm. to interact with other people mm. that the standard of food is so bad. Really? Just like the pub food and the cafe food is so bad and it does feel a bit hopeless because you're like well it's not going to get better because we're all still buying it anyway and i think it's so true i think it's the same probably the same thing with working in cafes yeah yeah standards yeah. have slipped <laughs> why aren't more people going to their jobs and yet prices are up. yeah Exactly. And it is because, like, I need to just get out of my house. I need to experience something different. Yeah. Which I actually think is what a snack is, if it's not specifically about hunger. Sometimes it's about tidying yourself over until your next meal. But sometimes it's like, I just need to feel something a bit different. Yes, it's, that's what I was thinking. You know, you pointed out um, there's a section on condiments in the book. Yes. And you were like, why do we, this generation, love condiments so much? We love them. We love them. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing. It's like an easy route to just getting like a hit of something new like you might discover something amazing it might change your life it might be like your new yeah condiment and you only have to pay a few pounds to try it and they're like fun they're sort of packed with as much flavor as possible so Mm. you're like i'm gonna get i'm gonna get something out of this you know um and then they often have like nice artwork on them and also we just like buying ourselves silly little things so we love silly I think, I think this is in your book what you said um, I, I, I begin to realise now that I sound a bit like someone who's been bribed by your, by your publicist <laughs> but it's more that like I read non-fiction so rarely and then when and just when I do I really fall in love with whatever's in front of me oh, and thanks. I've just really loved it um, but this thing of like the millennial tourism into kind of um little wholesale not wholesale like you kind of like little pantry type food shop yes. kind of thing where and there, and like I live in in Lewisham which is not a rich place at all but and like my high street is um you know there's a hardware shop and a post office and mm-hmm. a greasy spoon and a coral betting shop or whatever and also a, a very adorable little pantry food shop with like um you know home like you know small batch beers and lovely gleaming yeah. vegetables and condiments kim and cheese. kim cheese mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and it sort of um doesn't make sense on that street if you were looking at it and you didn't know about millennials yeah <laughs> because we're just a generation of people who like we we can't afford 
the houses we're living in. No. We're pushed. I mean, gentrification is obviously a much bigger conversation outside of condiments. Yeah. Um, but pushed further and further out. Then we're, therefore we're pushing other more vulnerable people further yeah. and further out. And the one way we can sort of grip our tiny little raccoon paws on the life we think we were promised is by buying a tin of sardines that look like they came from France. Yeah. Or a mustard that has a like illustration. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That is it. You know what? I um that is depressing but true. I think this, you know, this book which is about joy also has just a lot of like me being depressed in it. I guess. And one thing I was thinking about was um I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. You'll have to edit it out if I'm not. Mm. I'm sure it's fine. But the Times extracted this book. Mm. And when I say extracted, they just picked like a few bits at random and they turned it into their own article. They stripped all the language out of it. They changed all the headings. And they made it like... so upsetting. I'm so sorry. It's fine. (laughs) They made it like, you know, 50 great snack recipes. I see. You know, like they completely decontextualised everything I'd written. Everything I've written is like tongue-in-cheek and silly mostly or whatever they had turned it into something that it wasn't and there's a section in the book called snackettes Mm -hmm. which is really tiny little list of just things you might grab in your kitchen like a chunk of parmesan Mm -hmm. dipped in some balsamic or a digestive with cream cheese and jam on it Mm, so good stuff like that do you know what gavin calls that a cheating mess (laughs) that's great I think it's great yeah I was like you should be a food writer yeah you should (laughs) puns Um, and basically that little list was decontextualised even further somebody screen grabbed it and tweeted it and was like is the times feeling okay oh no and it went really wild and there were a lot of replies and there were a lot of replies from people it was interesting because there were replies from people going, oh my God, disgusting. But then there mm. were a lot of replies from people going, well, that just sounds nice to me. Yeah. But then there were also a lot of people going, no, this is depression food. Uh-huh. And then there were people going, oh God. there was this one woman who was like, I had this therapy and my therapist told me to like stand in my kitchen, have a morsel of something really delicious, Mm. put it in my mouth and just feel like rooted in my kitchen. And she was like, these feel like those. Yeah. And I was like, that's really interesting. It's like, yeah, they kind of are depression food. You're having a bit of a boring day. Like you're at home. You can't get out. This is the best you can do. Like (laughs) that is kind of what they are, but they're good in that way. And they do something in that moment. Um, Yeah, I can't remember where I was going. No, I love that. I feel very moved by that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just just feel so bad for you though, because like... That that thing of just them de- them stripping out of all of your writing and being oh, like, bad. here are my snack recipes, a, a lump of cheese standing by your fridge. Like, yeah. of course, like there's a certain kind of body of person on the internet who would get really annoyed by that. Yeah, that the Times would like print that as an article. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel really bad for you. And then why did they print it as an article? Because that's not a recipe. No, so. and you would then you didn't call it a recipe. No, <laughs> and then it didn't. It didn't have my name until right at the end and I was like, that's kind of good and kind of bad because I sort of didn't write it, but then I sort of did and I didn't know how to feel about yeah. any of it, but I was day. quite furious about yeah. it. Yeah. 
(laughs) But I guess that is just also like goes to show how in the mainstream people still don't really understand snacks or how to write about them or how to think about them or how to be honest about how we eat them. Sometimes when I talk to my friends uh, and like men and women actually uh, sometimes I'm surprised to see that the men in my life have as disordered a a relationship with food as the women do and sometimes even more so because they're not encouraged to talk about it the way that that we are and, and almost bond about it the way that women do. Yes, true. That like, I don't know how it happened, but I just seem to get out of adolescence without, without an eating disorder, <laughs> which I think basically happens to a demit like like so many women, even if they weren't like have a, had a serious problem, yeah, they went through a phase of like only eating almonds or whatever, yeah, and it strikes me every time I talk to somebody who's been through that. The time wasted. Yes. Of just like, just like the brains, the space in your brain that is yes. taken up with all this information. There's a, that famous bit in Bridget Jones where it's like she she can rattle off the calories and everything, you mm. know? And uh, like, it's just so much time taken from us thinking about these things. Yeah. Sorry, it's so obvious and so annoying to say, I've just realised, but it, it baffles me. It I feel the same about writing as well. I feel yeah. like I spent a lot of my 20s sat trying to write, not writing, just sitting there thinking about how I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. That I just wish I'd spent doing something else. Like, I wish I'd just stood up and gone and done something else instead. Oh, my God, and it's I, so true. And yeah. I feel like that's, yeah, that's the same thing. If you're genuinely like, okay... It's nine o'clock. I can have my almonds at 11. Yeah. And after that, nothing. (laughs) Which, by the way, I don't think I've ever actually been there. No. But, you know, I've definitely had versions of that. And, yeah, that's a lot of wasted energy. Yeah. And it's interesting that you compare it to writing. Because I remember being in a kind of a writing rut at some point. And I got very... You know when you're in those ruts and you get very into... um, everything Elizabeth Gilbert has ever said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. whole, I got very into the whole big magic vibe. Oh, yes. And um, she had a podcast on that. And uh, so she said something that was like, give yourself permission to write a bad book. Mm. And there was something about just that, you know, the thing about the thing with advice, you have to just be in this place in your life where you're ready to what hear you need. it. Yeah. Exactly. And it was just, it, it really dug me out of a hole of like, I'm just going to write a bad book. And that kind of, that's the same sort of energy when you give yourself over to food. Yes, it is. You it actually is. eat in a far healthier way. Yeah, that like, there are so many of those quotes that are just like, well, not that that one is a crap quote, but there are a lot of bad ones. Mm. But if they hit you in the right moment, you're like, oh, that's changed exactly. my life. It- I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> And, and they really get you, it, it, like, a, a bad quote is like a good snack. It, like, yeah. gets you through. It, you've done something to yourself with that. Yeah. It just gets you through the next couple of hours. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, there's something that I loved as well that um, you wrote about, which was about snacks and holidays. Oh, yes. And it really made me realise that when I think about all the holidays I've had in my life, and, you know, do you know like, in every sort of, week to 10 day long holiday Mm -hmm. you will have like one or two evenings like we're going to the place tonight yeah everyone on TripAdvisor says it's amazing (laughs) 
And invariably, I always go invariably with Gav, and we're like we get a bit a little bit dressed up and we're a little bit tired from the day. Yeah, and we kind of have run out of shit to say to each other, and we're just a bit like warm, and we mm-hmm. eat the lovely bit of fish. I'm yeah. like, this is. This is lovely. And we spend, you know, £140. Yeah. <laughs> and then we never remember or speak about that meal ever again. Yeah. However, the, the the odd Spanish brand of crisps that we had every day by the pool will be the meme of the holiday forever. Yeah. It's like, even on the way in, he was like, oh, remember when we went to Malaga and we had um, Ruffles Yamon for every single day <laughs> yeah. for a week. Those are great, though. My friend yeah. always gets a uh, truffle Philadelphia to dip them in. Oh, she, I've, yeah. I have She's not an known. <laughs> I need this, please. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about the, the foreign crisps. Yeah. And, and foreign bits in general that like when you're foreign. <laughs> like a fucking story. Um, but like, yeah, something when you... That's why everyone loves going to supermarkets when they're abroad as well. Yeah. Of just like, I, I'm going to... So not not eat how the locals do because locals aren't buying a shitload of junk food and eating <laughs> no. it every day. But it does make you feel weirdly connected to the place where you are. Yeah, it does. Well, it just makes you feel removed from your life, which is what you want from your holiday. Yeah. You don't want to be eating hula hoops on the beach. Like, those are very... Hula hoops are what my daughter screams. I want hula hoops. <laughs> you know, I don't want to eat those in... Greece. I want to eat something that tastes Grecian in some way. Yeah, in some very vague way. Black yeah. olive tapenade crisp. Yes, that's what I want. Yeah. Um And this there's always this thing, um, and it's a bit like buying clothes on holidays where you um oh we're gonna buy some of this to take home and then it just yeah. kind of sits there. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh my god, we've got some we had these garlic manchitos in mm. Spain that my husband became obsessed with. And then when his friend was in Lanzarote, he was like, get me some of those garlic manchitos. They've been in our cupboard for months. Exactly. So it's just not the same. You just want to... And then, yeah, you, you use it in your kitchen standing up at four o'clock or whatever. And you're like, oh yeah, I remember being in Spain. <laughs> yeah. There was one day where we were like... We were in Melbourne, I think. And we had, we really had no money left, but we Mm. were going for this stupid dinner because it had been booked or whatever. And then, I don't know, our reservation wasn't really there. We, it didn't work. And then there was a casino next door. And so for a joke, we were like, let's go in the casino. And while we were in the casino, not doing anything because we didn't have any money, the heel fell off my husband's. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com 
Dan's shoe and we were just like hysterical about it and then we like went home and just ate some cheese puffs and that is the thing I remember about that trip I love that yeah yeah I remember yeah that weirdly the holiday in Spain was the first time that we'd ever it was two years ago now that we'd ever ordered room service together yeah because it was the first time that we weren't like so broke and, yeah. and just like I just remember um, just ordering chips and a bottle of wine to the room and it's like funny it's you, funny like, it's really funny, really funny. <laughs> what are we doing this is so funny this isn't what we do <laughs> oh I do love people <laughs> yeah there's this bit in your book that really in terms of the pop culture element of all of this that really captured me which was um, on big drinks Oh yeah, and about how there was this this moment in the noughties where like little women were holding massive drinks. Yeah, yeah, and they were using them as like a sort of shield, basically against yeah. Paint, paparazzi. A, paint a visual picture for me. So, I mean, so for me, like it definitely started with a simple life with Paris and Nicole because mm-hmm. that was really probably the first TV show that I got into in that way where it was like, oh, this is what I like. I'm yeah. a person and this is what I like to watch and also you know my mum hated it so that made me want to watch it more and um and you know it was gross in lots of ways because they were doing these like regular people's jobs but sort of in a tongue-in-cheek way and mm-hmm. they're obviously rich and don't need to work and it was gross it was absolutely gross but it was also just like they were women who sort of were doing what they wanted to do and they were being absolutely destroyed for it in the press and they were just carrying on and they were always just had drinks with straws in front of their faces like yeah you know like they had like lip gloss on mac lip gloss on and they had big sunglasses on and then they had drinks with straws like frappuccinos or whatever and um, huge drinks yeah. yeah huge and And Britney as well, like, in those sort of, in some of those quite low moments, she would always have one of those drinks in front Mm. of her face. And I just felt like I was like an uncomfortable little teenager. I didn't really, like, always want to do what my friends were doing, but I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to be doing. But I used to, I used to dance, I used to do dance classes, and... I used to always want to come into town to do dance classes. I lived in, like, suburban northwest London, but I just always loved coming into town. And um, I sort of... There was this point where I was like, I'm just going to go in and do a dance class by myself, get myself a frappuccino and walk around. And I just, like, really felt like myself that day. I was like, oh, this is... You know, I do, this is helping me feel like myself. This is making me look confident when I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? And I still sometimes feel that. And I still just enjoy slurping from a really big cup in that way where I'm like, I'm free to choose what I want to do, (laughs) to go where I want to go. I'm going to make as much noise with this drink as I want. That's it's so. I've never put that together before. Of like, and you think of those, 
uh, early noughties paparazzi photos of like Lindsay Lohan or Britney Spears or Paris Hilton or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it is just like very little clothes, very big drink. Yeah. Faces. It's like, it is like a shield. Yeah. I remember being in, my auntie <clears throat> lives in California and I was there with her when I was like 17 or something. And um, I was wearing massive sunglasses and lip gloss. And someone like leaned in her friend, like leaned in her car window and was like, she looks like Paris Hilton. I do not look anything <laughs> like Paris Hilton. But I was obviously doing that thing of like, you can't yeah. see my face. So I probably look good under here, but you don't, <laughs> you don't have a clue. Um, yeah, that you know, you can see much of their faces most of the time, you know? There's something... I do know what you mean. That I, I that that image is really clear to me of you as like a sixteen year old going to dance classes and not really feeling like, oh, like it's so it's really weird to say now, but I, I'm transplanted back to that adolescent thing of being doing anything by yourself. Yeah, feels like a choice, and it feels like, and it's like obviously no one's looking at you, but you feel like everyone's looking at you, yes. that girl who's alone with no friends, kind of thing, yeah. and they're all making a judgment. And there's something about holding a very big drink. <laughs> It is. That's not like a bottle of Coke. That's like a thing with the straw or like a sippy thing at the top mm-hmm. or whatever. That's like there's something a little bit cool, and I. It's like a little bit bored, a little bit like I'm above this. Yeah, like oh, this is easy. You think I'm finding this in any way difficult? No, this is really easy for me. Look, I feel yeah. like I've re- released my tricks, and now when anyone's gonna see me. With a big drink, they're going to go, oh, she's actually very nervous. She's very insecure, that woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the kind of rattling the ice a little, kind of playing with the straw. It's all mm-hmm. very adolescent and very sweet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> when talking about snacks, we can't get away from the scourge of our society, which is the small plate meal. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we're going to do, man, because no. it, it won't. It won't die. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. I feel like it's at the point now where, um, you know, people can't afford the food they're serving. You know, it's so hard for restaurants to make money Mm -hmm. that they feel like they have to put the food on small plates because it's the only way they're going to get the food out for a price they can afford to get it out for. It just feels like it's not going anywhere now. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I haven't thought of it from that point of view in that, like, people can't afford a steak for £30, but, like, yeah. half an anglette cut into strips with some chimichurri over it No, for £15 somehow seems like no. a more attractive option, but even though it sucks and no one's happy. Yeah, it does. I think that's it, isn't it? I think the small plates thing went wrong where it was like, no, this could be a big plate. Like, this should just be a big... This should just be a plate of dinner. A small plate that is meant to be a small plate because it is a snack, fine. That's fine. But, yeah, something that is just, like, half a steak or, like, three meatballs or... I don't know. I couldn't even think of any because I haven't been for dinner for so long because I'm a new parent. (laughs) The worst one is that, like, the sort of two stalks of asparagus between three people that's when it gets yeah. really depressing or like four white beans and you're chopping them and you're chopping and you're, them and you're leaving a little bit and it's yeah it's just asparagus yeah yeah and it's always this thing of like, it's just asparagus it's like it's always when you're when, when I find it the most depressing mm. when you meet a 
like maybe three to five women yeah <laughs> of your acquaintance and you're all there for somebody's birthday or whatever and uh you know each of you have sort of earmarked in your head that like this is her birthday dinner we're going to yeah. be spending some amount of mm-hmm. money and then you just have all these fucking small plates that you're cutting up and because you're all like women that have been brought up in this century you're all like too scared to take more than your share yeah so and so then you're eating it slowly and like leaving little morsels behind in case somebody else wants it and then the waiter clears it away and then you all look at each other frantically being like um actually we're still picking yeah and like it's just I'm oh, sorry did you want to eat that yeah. Uh, and, yeah and then you leave feeling so drunk Mm. And not in a nice way. No. <laughs> Just like a bit sick and heady. Yeah. And um, you've had too much salt. Yeah, and like and egg you're yolks. Hungry. And egg, and like egg you've yolks. Had, you've had like quite a lot of egg yolks. Yeah. And like mayonnaise and stuff and wine. And then that's sort of it. It's so, it makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Every night, but like it's not going anywhere because like when I'm planning a dinner with people, I was like, how about, guys, how about for a laugh, we just, you know, go to like a, a pre-theatre set menu place, oh, maybe, lovely. where like we can all get some French onion soup and then a bit of anglette and then a bit of custard at the end and it costs 20, 30 to 30 quid a head yeah. and, it, and the food is okay, but crucially, we're full and we saw each other. Yeah. And we're not fucking horribly pissed. And we all got the same sick. amount of food we, as well. Yeah. And if we didn't want to eat it all, we didn't have to. Yeah. yeah. And it never takes. And I think part of it is because the pre-theatre menu exists on a sort of eat it and beat it economy. Yes. And that way, so you're like, if you're ca- if you're waiting for like three months to catch up with this group of women or whatever, and then you're suddenly, the dinner's over in less than an hour, then that's sort of, yeah. everyone's got a babysitter for no reason. Yeah. And so hence, we must bankrupt ourselves on yeah. two stalks of asparagus and one meatball. Yeah. Mm. And that is that is devastating. <laughs> it is, isn't it? And to be honest, I can't even really think of that many restaurants on my list. Like, I can't really think of any restaurants that people are excited about right now that are just yeah. regular size plates. Yeah. I actually can't really think of many of them. No. And we're like, not to brag, we're Londoners. Yeah. <laughs> There are there are recipes. But the, um, there are recipes. There are restaurants. There are restaurants. Um, yeah, there's a thing that you said in your book of like, sort of 2015. I think you said you you moved to LA for a while. Is Just that true. Yeah, yeah, for like four months. Um, very glamorous. Mm. Very jealous of that. But also this thing of like, you were leaving London during this time of like the restaurant trend of like Edison bulbs and exposed brickwork and yeah. um, very ma- unimaginative meals. It being this thing of like. London rents are so high that every new idea has to work. Yeah, people can't afford the gambles so much, I don't think. Yeah. People just... I mean, like, maybe I'm being really unfair, but it just doesn't feel like anywhere near as experimental as a, as a lot of other cities, or as yeah. definitely as LA, like... And LA is not perfect either, I'm aware of that, but... um. Yeah, it just all felt like it had got quite boring. And to be honest, I'm not sure that it's come on no. that far since. And that was quite a long time ago. This was my next point, which is that I do think that as a food city, London just isn't one. No. <laughs> like there are some great like hole in the wall type places and obviously lots of like 
um, cuisine from all around the world. So if you're looking yeah. for variety, you can find it. But in terms of like the restaurants that people are going to in sort of central-ish or East London um, or North London even um, for like their date nights, their, yeah. like, their, their occasion eating, you are going to find the most boring and flavourless food in the yeah. world, I think. And I, I think about this all the time. Yeah. I'm so sorry to all the London restaurateurs that may or may not be listening. But um, I think this because I, I'm i from this like quite, you know, provincial little city called Cork mm-hmm. in Ireland. Yeah. And something I, you know, my family are very into food. And so they always ask like, what kind of stuff I'm eating in London or whatever. And I was like, listen, the, the average three-star restaurant in Cork is 10 times better than the average three-star mm-hmm. restaurant in London. Because London is like, has this, it depends on this constant stream of foot traffic so there's really no need to improve dishes yeah. it just has to kind of be okay and basically on trend yeah Whereas, and have those light bulbs and that brickwork yeah and, yeah I sometimes feel like you know I am so cynical and I think Rich my husband is the same like literally the other day someone that we know in Walthamstow had said they'd gone to this cafe and Rich was like oh what did it look like <laughs> like and they were like no no it looked like cool and he was like no but what what did it look like did it just look like the same did it just look the yeah. same as all the cafes did it have the same white walls yeah high sort of wooden stool kind of bar type things a couple of couch seats in a navy two pillows oh. yeah sad and the same like stone stoneware yes and yeah and 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 then and then i feel like just such a vibe killer because like this person was excited about this i know you don't want to be that person and we were like oh just another one just another one of those but then like every now and then you go in somewhere that's like for for want of a better word like a cafe from the 90s Mm. you know where it's like there's loads of like flyers and shit by the door yeah the the door is just like covered in shit yeah (laughs) and like take one and all this kind of stuff there's um always a big anzac cookie uh wrapped in cling film yes (laughs) that are sold by the till and just like it's there's too many colors and there's like a vague psychedelic vibe Mm -hmm. and none of the furniture matches and there's one big couch that like a bunch of students are living on you know yeah I just want to see a return of the, the, not so much a community cafe, but just like quasi-arty, but with no real sense of snobbery. Yeah. <laughs> Cozy, cheap vibe. Yeah. And just like imagination, maybe. Just yeah. a little bit. Just a little bit. Just like we painted this wall green. We don't know why, but we did it. We like we yeah. liked it. <laughs> or like, like, we have a performing art space downstairs, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> So, like sort of yeah uh, right now Lance's girlfriend has an art show down there want to go downstairs and look not really but I will, I will. <laughs> in terms of like the absolute nadir of fucking awful snacks and, mm. and this also I think falls into the um, you know snacks for rent sort of working in a cafe for a few hours thing of just having to buy something yeah those fucking little protein balls. Have you seen them around? Oh, yeah. They are. Do you know they there give me is. Depression. Oh, sorry to keep bringing this back to Walthamstow. And God forbid the owner of this business is listening, but there is a business in Walthamstow that is literally the frozen fruit that I buy from Sainsbury's and 
put in my Nutribullet mm-hmm. and give to my kid as a ice cream slash smoothie. Mm-hmm. They're making those. That's what they're making. <laughs> That's what they're... There's nothing else going in them. It's just frozen fruit, blended up. It's not It's not always even blended. It's often just, like, got lumps of banana in it. And, you know, it's £6.50 a bowl or whatever. And it, it's always busy. People will fucking <laughs> spend money. People have no money right now, and they will spend money on anything. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I actually... Um, in my family's in the snack business. Oh, really? Yeah, my mum owns a sweet shop. <gasps> yeah, <sighs> and it's and it's actually people are always like, "Oh, what was that like growing up?" And it, she weirdly opened it the year that I moved to London. It was like her. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it she's in Cork still. She's in Cork still. Yeah, and so she owns this. Um, yeah, little. It's it's kind of like it's interesting actually about. That that whole business model and like obviously it, it, you know, I, I'm kind of conscious that we're being very London specific, but I yeah, do think most sorry. of these trends are global. Actually, if you live in any kind of city, the the the, the Oxford Street sweet shop thing. Yes. She has this very tiny little space, and she kind of has this mix between like old sweets in jars kind of thing, yeah, and yeah. also um, more like novelty American snacks. And I think like snacking and novelty is a big thing i mean it's like what the yeah. the condiments and mustards are for millennials yes it's like younger people just like they are eating the most disgusting shit like my mom is like really? horrified she's like i am buying the most disgusting stuff and people are are buying it oh, wow. at like six pounds a pop like you know sort of um what was it like guinness flavored crisps or something no not, not even them but like it's worse than that um like red lemonade flavored crisps Oh, like God. that kind of level, and like like obviously, the, I remember M and S doing prosecco flavored crisps. That yeah, were really bad. Yeah, but the thing is, like, it's like that thing that Walkers did for years, right? Mm. Of like, oh, squirrel flavored, yeah, and yeah. tikka masala, and all that kind of stuff. People will just like just want to try it, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, feel I different. hadn't really noticed the sweet shop thing getting bigger, but I think even in the last couple of years, because my friend left London like three years ago. She lives in the Peak District now. Mm-hmm. And when she was down recently, she came to mine on the Sunday and she'd been around for a few days. And I was like, how's your time in town? And she mm-hmm. was like, a lot of sweet shops, aren't there? A lot of sweet <laughs> shops. sweet shops. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe there are a lot of sweet shops. Yeah. I hadn't realised. But- and weirdly, I think the um, I think there's a lot of competing theories on what the Oxford Street sweet shops are doing. I think yeah. there's a lot of theories about like it being a front for something mm. and it being linked to all this kind of shady money uh, but you go in people are buying stuff yeah. <laughs> so the front is working Yeah. and this like you know my mum she gets she drives a lot of like her she gets a lot of business and she also gets a lot of business ideas from TikTok Okay. and like sweet talk is a big thing your mum is very cool isn't she yeah we're getting yeah she is kind of cool <laughs> She's a very cool lady. She started a sweet shop when just when you left. When her youngest child left yeah. home, like her empty nester project was, was so starting cute. a sweet shop. Yeah, I'm very proud. She'd never had a job. Oh, I know. And it was like like Ireland was in the middle of this massive recession, and this actually links back, which is um, I and like she'd never been in business her entire life. I think she'd wow. worked as a secretary when she was like ve- we were very very small, but mostly she was a stay at home mum. And um, my dad was reaching retirement age and she there was this massive economic recession and you know things were really bad for the whole country and she was like people 
the only things people buy in a recession are sweets, lipstick and magazines. Interesting. Yeah. And the th- she was wrong about the magazines because that business yeah. is completely folded. But in terms of like both the confectionery and the uh, beauty business, since the last economic recession, both of those industries have yeah. quadrupled. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that is that is... Because we love silly little things. Silly little things that <laughs> yeah. don't that make us feel like we're not poor. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it goes back to the thing of like the poorest boroughs in London having the most expensive pantry shops. Yes, it's all of a piece. <laughs> so we should probably get to wrapping up, but I've really loved this uh, snacks as kind of snacking culture. I think we've touched a lot of places and gone surprisingly deep. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> I, what happens. I hadn't realised how much it relates to the economy at large, but it truly does. <laughs> um, but in terms of pop culture, is there any, like, we've talked a little about Paris Hilton and the big drinks, but like, is there anything else that sticks in your mind? Um, the thing I... the Something I thought was interesting was that you you mentioned a couple of like snacks in films and stuff mm-hmm. and i don't have any like really big like pinnacle moments in movies or anything but what i do what my friends have noticed about me mm. is that whenever someone is eating something on screen and it's really inconsequential and you really don't need to know what they're eating yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can't really even see what they're eating i will start craning my neck and going what's he Yes. What's he eating? What's he eating? And I think that's because that is because the sort of little things that people eat while they're doing their other things are they're the most interesting to me. I think. Yeah, they really are. Um, the like the I've mentioned the Gilmore Girls several times. It's only because I'm doing this massive rewatch, so mm. we can do an episode on it. I don't know if you ever watched that show. A bit. Not. I haven't yeah. ever got deep into it. But that is a show that name checks junk food yeah. and snack food all the time to the point where I do think people are irritated by it yes. it is the Gilmore Girls version of Carrie Bradshaw having too much money yeah. for for being a columnist and my, my retort to the Carrie Bradshaw thing has always been like Carrie Bradshaw is such a famous columnist that she's on the side of a bus like she gets paid very well yeah. like she's like Catelyn Moran level except she has no family <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. come on she's famous like she's she's got a lot of money that's true um, at least in the early seasons I think it's like it, I always say to people it's like listen if you're jealous that you can't get the same money that Carrie Bradshaw got for her columns just say so yeah <laughs> but don't bring her her choices into this and similarly people sort of hate the Gilmore Girls for many reasons and some of them good um, but one of them is that like these two incredibly thin women all they do is eat pop tarts right. and marshmallows and mm-hmm. they just eat like children on a sleepover all the time yeah but um, it's I find it to be these very like interesting sort of character yes. things because it's like they it's they don't eat anything else like they don't eat three square meals at all right, they they okay. just snack they eat pancakes in the morning and sometimes they have a burger at night and the rest of the time they're just snacking all the time yeah and I feel like if you're making a show about like a woman who like had a baby at 16 ran away from her parents became a maid and took her child with her everywhere and had to have a lifestyle around that it's like yeah She's eating pop tarts. Of course, she's eating pop tarts. Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's what they've normalized within that house, and I yeah. feel like it's actually a very good character detail. And yeah. like the, this other thing of like, you know, this this character who's sorry, you, you don't care about the Gilmore Girls, but here <laughs> here I go. Um, this character who went from 
living in a house where there were maids and food was cooked by a cook every night and then suddenly is living this incredibly working class existence yeah. as a maid it's like you, you first of all she can't cook yeah. why would she know how to yeah i mean have you like that recent kardashians episode where um I think it was Kendall was like pretending that she knew how to slice a vegetable and it was just like, <laughs> oh wow, she literally doesn't know how to do that. The, so. but the Kardashians have reached a new level recently where I'm, I've been uninterested for years but I've come, come round now because I've seen a few bits like that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm quite interested in this now because yeah. they're so famous and so alien that... It's mad. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, anyway. But sorry, to finish off that Gilmore Girls rant, it's also like, these are incredibly cheap foods and if you're talking about these people who have only ever had the money to just hang out and watch movies their entire lives and not being able to drink, not being able to do all these things, of course, you, you to, to use sort of like snack food and junk food is your one vice. Yeah. And and actually, speaking of Catelyn Moran, it reminds me of something she wrote about years ago, which is overeating is the carer's disease. Mm. Because, you know, if you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or whatever, you yeah. can't... You, can't have that advice and still wake up in the morning and look after people. Yeah, yeah. So like eating a bag of marshmallows or whatever. Yeah. Is that you can still get up and wash your child in the morning, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, one moment I can think of where I completely was like, I am not watching this show anymore. Like I was watching Breaking Bad mm. with everyone else and I was not enjoying it at all. I was just like... I find everyone gross, it's gross, mm. I don't like it. Mm. And then I just remember like one morning he was making waffles and I was just like, gross, gross, I'm not <laughs> watching this anymore. Why? And it wasn't, like there wasn't anything specific about the waffles, but they had obviously made like the sound extra gloopy and I was just like, oh, oh, I don't, no. I don't want this in my life. And, you know, that was a good character signifier because there's nothing wrong with... Waffles, waffles yeah. can be good, but the way that he was making them and the sort of sounds that were coming across while he was making them and it just, he was gross. <laughs> and so I stopped watching. But I definitely like, you know, there's also sort of like, I don't know, just like moments in EastEnders where someone's having like a cone of chips while mm. they're having like a big chat or something yeah like yeah i get that i know what this i know who this is i know who that is i know what it yeah. smells like i know what's happening it's good and like yes one one bit that really gets me i have a quite an emotional response to the film home alone mm, yes <laughs> because i think because i'm a youngest child and i kind of i i understand that kevin McAllister yeah. feeling of like being kind of runty one at the end who kind of gets sort of forgotten a bit um my parents never left me. <laughs> they never went to Paris without me. But um, the there's a bit at the beginning of the movie where like everyone's just being a bit of a dick to him, and no yeah. one's being, and he's being a bit of a dick. But like it's like they're just not being nice to him. No, they're yeah, yeah, they're and running around him, and and he he <laughs> they help they all order pizza. And he just wanted a cheese pizza. A whole cheese pizza just for me. Oh. That's literally... <laughs> I say that like every day in our house. Like every day we eat anything. I said to Gav, a lovely cheese pizza just yeah. for me. <laughs> That's literally basically what my book's about. Just just like... Um, I'm so glad that, that quote sticks in your head as well. 
admitting and acknowledging this is what I want and I've got it in I've front of me. Isn't that great? When he has his lovely cheese pizza just for here. And like yeah. it's it's such a it's such an amazing character detail for a child of like because we all remember that part when like we putting complicated things on pizzas and pepperoni yeah. is too spicy and mushrooms are too slithery and like you just can't handle it and yeah. he's just like just want my cheese and my tomato and my bread <laughs> and like it's such a simple request and no yeah. one's honouring it and you can all just keep buzzing around me and ignoring me and treating me like shit because I've got my lovely cheese pizza <laughs> just for me <laughs> So yeah. important. Very important. Um, all right, Laura Goodman. I think that was fun. That was super fun. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, the Joy of Snacks is out now, and your first book, Carbs, also yeah. around. It is. Yeah. And probably quite cheap now, so go get it. I'm going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see bread in an urn or however the fuck you do it. Yeah. Um, if there's one like recipe in your book that you, in, in snacks, that, mm. what would you think? Probably the cheese ball. And it's the one I find myself making the most since I wrote it and talking about the most. Mm. And it is probably the most sentimental garbage because Mm. it's a cheese ball, which when I wrote that recipe, or when I started thinking about cheese balls, I didn't necessarily know what they were. I knew that they were balls of cheese, obviously, but I didn't really know. I knew they were something that, to be scorned, kind of like that's how I knew them. When you say like, cheese balls, what exactly do you mean? You mean those like um, you get them in the big tubs at Christmas? No, those guys. That the cheese soccer balls kind of thing. Nope. Okay. I mean, like it's like an American thing. You get a load of cream cheese, you fill it with stuff. Like the one in my book has, like Worcestershire sauce, cheddar. Mm. I've forgotten everything, mustard, whatever. You roll it up and then you coat it in something. And my one is coated with pretzels. Mm. And then you all just sort of like dip into it. And it's like a joke food. Like in, I write about an episode of Schitt's Creek where it's like, oh God, they're so lowly here that they eat Mm. cheese balls. And like, they're very scornful of it. And then when they... Like, in my imagination, when they come round, they're just eating cheese balls. And they're like, oh, this is actually really good. Um, And I just feel like that is the embodiment of, like, embracing snacks for what they are. Mm. And just going, yeah, fuck it, I'll eat a cheese ball. I'll eat a cheese ball. I'll eat a ball of cheese. Uh, one, th- one thing that your book has that really changed my eating habits it's actually your your book in the combination with several very well placed TikTok videos that have been shown to me <laughs> which is that um, I think I said at the beginning of the podcast uh, dips have really changed my life for the better actually yeah um, because you just start with your Greek yogurt a bit like a clove of garlic or two some lemon juice mm-hmm. salt and pepper maybe a spoon of mayo or something mix that all together and then like put in whatever the fuck whatever you whatever you like yeah what I like <laughs> is um I'll eat, here's my one of two things I'll do either like I'll chop up lots of like a whole thing of cornichons as you can see it's a real problem in my house whole <laughs> thing of cornichons whole thing of dill chopped up really fine mm. uh and caramelize some shall- shallots and Yum. then just wing that all in together that's the best thing in the world and that's if like someone's coming over yeah and uh what I'd love to like, yeah have that out with some crisps and then order Deliveroo yeah and they're like they're really impressed by the dip yeah and also we're getting Deliveroo yeah so I'm really present with you to me that is peak entertaining in my home the second thing which is I'm alone for the evening is the uh the the, the base that you think that the, the mm-hmm. Greek yogurt the garlic lemon yeah. juice salt 
mayonnaise. Um, and then in a frying pan, an entire bag of spinach with some parmesan. <laughs> And just Ooh, fry nice. all that down till it's like a cheesy, spinachy mess. And then fuck that into the yogurt. And then eat that whole thing with, with like an oven. One of those like demi baguettes that are like, you, they're half baked and you yeah. put them in the oven. And like, you've just eaten a whole bag of spinach yes. and some Greek yogurt for your dinner. Yeah. And it took 10 minutes. And what's bad about that? That's Nothing. really that's quite good for you, actually. That's good for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, just, it feels trashy, but it's very good for you. Yeah. So There's a... There's, I would like you to try that yogurt dip in there that's got like chili butter on the top of it. Yes. I think you might be quite into that. Yeah, I think I will. Yeah, yeah. Try that one. There's also a bit in your book where you talk about what would your favourite cheese be. Oh, yeah. Do you want to have cheese throughout your life? And I thought a lot about it. Three cheeses. Three cheeses. Obviously, the first is cheddar. Mm-hmm. Second is, it is the uh, like a feta. Yeah. Because it just goes in so many. Yes. Couscous, rice, whatever, you know, spices yeah. up a nice dish. The third, I'm afraid, is individually wrapped slices of American cheese. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you're shaming me on that! I'm not shaming you. It's not shame. It's just you've got three forever. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the thing with the American cheese is I fucking my, my ramen, my instant ramen. My brother chose Port Salut for one of his and I was like, that is... No. You're going to eat Port Salut for the rest of your life and you're not going to have mozzarella. That is going to be weird for you. Oh, yeah. The mozzarella thing, that make, does make pizza yes. a situation. And I would rather die than ever order a white pizza anywhere. Yeah. All right, we should wrap up. Um, but this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for coming on. It's very early in the morning on a Friday, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com